Jesus was betrayed. And Jesus was arrested. And it was just awful. The happens when the governor interrogated Jesus. The evidence wasn't to the drift. And the whole thing was rigged. Even the crowd turned. And children crucified him. Jesus was stripped. Jesus was ripped. Jesus was mocked. Jesus was tortured. Wore a crown of thorns. Ouch! That hurt! They hung him on a cross. And it wasn't a pretty sight. Jesus cried, It is finished. And breathed his last. They laid him in a tomb. And they sealed it with a very big rock. The tomb was full. see again and for the first time here on earth we learned that God could be a friend and though he never ever ever did a single thing 
thing wrong The angry crowd chose him And then he walked down the road and died on the cross That was the end of the beginning That's not a new book, that's a Bible, he said I've heard it all before I've tried religion, it's shame and guilt And I don't need it anymore It's superstition, made up tales Just to help the weak to survive Let me read it again, I said But listen closely, this is gonna change your life He was born of the virgin one holy night The little town of Bethlehem Angels gathered round him underneath the star Singing praises to the great I am He walked on the water He healed the lame and made the blind to see again And for the first time here on earth we learn That God can be a friend And though he never ever did a single thing wrong The angry crowd chose him And then he walked down a road And he died on the cross And that was the end of the beginning of the beginning he said with a smile what more could there be he's dead you said they hung him put nails in his hands and a crown of thorns on his head I said I'll read it again but there's more and I believe that this is true his death wasn't the end but the beginning of life that's completed in you don't you see he did all this for Urging one holy night in the little town of Bethlehem The angels got underneath the stars singing praises to the great I am He walked on the water, healed the lame and made the blind to see again And for the first time here we learned that God could be a friend And though he never ever did a single thing wrong The angry crowd chose him and then he walked and he died but three days later, three days later, three days later, he rose. Three days later, he rose. He
Explode and bring the 
resolution somehow Now I'm lost in your freedom And this world I'll overcome My God's not dead, he's surely alive He's living on the inside, rolling like a lion God's not dead, he's surely alive He's living on the inside, rolling like a lion Roaring, roaring, roaring like a lion Let hope arise and make the darkness high Faith is dead, I need a resurrection somehow now I'm lost in your freedom In this world I'll overcome My God's not dead, he's surely alive He's living on the inside, rolling like a lion God's not dead, he's surely alive He's living on the inside, rolling like a lion Rolling, rolling the sound of revival let heaven roar and fire fall come shake the ground with the sound of revival let heaven roar and fire roar come shake the ground with the sound He's living on the inside, rolling like a lion. God's not dead, he's surely alive. He's living on the inside, rolling like a lion. My God's not dead, he's surely alive. He's living on the inside, rolling like a lion. My God's not dead, he's surely alive. He's living on the inside, rolling like a lion. He's risen. Amen. Shine among us His glory 
to be reading some scripture <laughs> and the scripture is in my office so we're just going to go right to the centurion
Are you blessed yet? <laughs> I want to tell you how thankful I am for all of your prayers and uh, uh, your encouragement. Um, but before I get there, I just want to say welcome uh, to everyone. Um, I am so glad that you are here today on this very special day, uh, a day when Christ is no longer in the tomb, but in fact, he is risen from the dead. Uh, I'd like to have the lights on right now. We're gonna, this is my first part here, and uh, we'll turn the lights back on so I can see everybody that's out there. I know we have some visitors. I hope that you have been felt uh, made to feel welcome this morning and uh, by our ushers and greeters, some of whom were little ones. Uh, I think you saw them meeting, meeting you at the door, and, and they're about to come down, uh, about to come down the uh, aisle in just a few minutes uh, later in the service and help take the offering and so forth. So, uh, so glad for that. You have announcements in your newsletter, uh, that big thing that's uh, laying open in front of you, and, and everything that you ever wanted to know is right there in that, in that newsletter. Well, maybe not everything you wanted to know, um, but everything you need to know about what's going on here is in the newsletter. Uh, now I'll get back to the, thank you for your prayers. I'll give you a quick health update. If you don't know, some of you uh, didn't, didn't know in the beginning, but uh, last week the preliminary report uh, on my body was is that I had two different cancers going on. Uh, one of them is uh, quite manageable, and the other one was frankly frightening me. Uh, because it is one that has a tendency to go every place else in the body uh, before they can do much about it. Um, after a, a full day in the hospital of scans and drinking some very, um, I, I turned off the light in my bedroom when I went to bed at night and I was still glowing. Uh, that's how much stuff I had in my body. Um, but after that scan and after the final pathology report, I am glad to report I've never, I've never said this in my life. I'm glad that I only have one cancer. But I only have one. I don't have a secondary cancer, praise God. Um, and the one that I, that I have uh, is manageable uh, with about a four-hour surgery and cutting some stuff out of my body that I probably don't need anyway. So um, it's okay. Uh, I don't know yet if they need to follow up with radiation therapy but that's a possibility after I'm done. And so this coming Friday, uh, I get to check in to Hillcrest uh, Hospital, Baylor Scott and White Hillcrest Hospital. And um, you can pray for these two doctors, Dr. Gavidnik, uh, she is a surgeon, the general surgeon, and assisting her will be uh, Dr. Um, yeah, it's R-U-D-I-O, I think, or something like that. Um, anyway, he's, a, he's an orthopedic surgeon, um, and he will uh, be cutting out some bone and so forth. So I get, I get two surgeons. When you do it, you might as well do it well, right? And um, I can't wait for my insurance company to get that bill. But anyway, um, uh, so uh, I'll be going in about noon on Friday. Uh, I already know that there's several people that will be there to pray for me and pray over me, and I appreciate that. Uh, however, I want to tell you that um, there's one thing that you really, 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 really don't want to see in your lifetime, and that is your pastor on drugs. So I would, I would strongly suggest for my rest and my recovery and your sanity, uh, don't come anywhere near me on Friday night, at least uh, through Saturday sometime, 
so that you don't get totally embarrassed by anything I might say to you or how I might have my hair that day. Um, it just, it just would, it would injure you and ruin you for life, I'm sure. Uh, but I appreciate you uh, uh, standing by that. Just pray. Uh, that's the best thing you can do. Uh, I really won't know that if, whether or not you were there or not. It, it won't make any difference to me. So um, uh, just remember that. I want to read this out of the devotional. If you've been reading this devotional at all, uh, Journey to the Cross, uh, I want to share with you today's reading. The two followers who buried Jesus knew that they were placing a dead body in the tomb. Cold water, smelling salts, and joyful music, alone or in combination, will never cure death. In 40 years of ministry, I have discovered this. In the face of death, there is not one single word in any language in the entire world that brings any comfort. No doctor on earth, then or now, can prescribe an effective remedy for the one who is experiencing the death of a loved one. Dead is dead. And Jesus was beyond any human means of revival, resuscitation, or resurrection. God alone could create a victorious conclusion to Jesus' journey to the cross. And God alone did. God breathed fresh life into Jesus' lungs. And as Jesus lay lifeless, his heart began to beat again at God's command. And in that tomb, with the stone in place, there was a resurrection that took place. And the life and the body of Jesus came back. Christ is risen. Our guilt is gone. Our sins are buried, forgiven, washed away. Death has been declawed, defanged. God alone brought this about this very real victory through the very real death and the very real resurrection of his son. And still today, God is the source and the giver of life, the only source. Resurrection comes through Jesus Christ alone. New life comes through Jesus. Victory in our journey comes through Jesus, to which the people said, amen and amen. And once again, for those that are standing behind the wall in the baptistry, I have no scripture, so you are on.
song sung in this church for three years. <laughs> wow, praise God. Well, this isn't an interruption in the service. This is a part of the service. It's called We're Going to Receive an Offering. Those of you that are visiting with us today, if you're visiting from another church, you should be giving your money there. If you're visiting today and you're not a regular attender in a church someplace, we want you to keep your money. Unless God just lays it on your heart to write a $10,000 check. But otherwise, this is for those that regularly attend here, the members and so forth. And uh, we want to open it up to everybody. If God lays it on your heart to give, of course give. But if you're visiting from another church, they need your offerings and your tithes. Uh, and uh, we want you to give them there. But we're going to ask the gentleman to come forward. And I think we've got, I think we've got kids coming down the aisle with them. This is great. This is every fourth Sunday in Community Fellowship is Leadership Sunday. And what we're doing is, is we're training our kids and our teens to hang on just a second, David. Don't, don't turn him loose yet. He's going to go. I mean, he's probably going to walk up through the, through the rows, stand in front. Um, uh, but we're trying to train our kids how to become leaders in the church. And so this is what we do every fourth Sunday. Our kids are here, and they're in the service, and they're doing these kinds of things. Father God, we give this time to you, this sacred time. It's a time of worship. It's a time of glory. It's a time of praise. It's a time when we can give back to you the little things that you've given to us. You've poured out so much. Little financial things that seem so small to you, but they're so huge to us, and yet you say, you know, give me something back. 
So we give back this morning with a heart of thanksgiving and a heart of praise. And we worship you for who you are. And all God's people said, amen.
Lord Jesus, we come to you right now. We owe everything to you. Our life, our talents, our abilities, our families, our treasure. When we reflect on your back that was ripped open for us, when we reflect on the crown of thorns that pierced your head, well, we think about it, but we really don't dwell on it. For just a moment this morning, Father, the sacrifice of your son was bloody. But according to the Old Testament, the way the things had been established, there needed to be a blood sacrifice that would wash away our sins. And so your love flowed red. But the result was that our sin washed white. <laughs> oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. We just give you praise this morning. We want to lift up those, Father, that are being persecuted for being Christians today. This is a special day all around the world as we celebrate the risen Savior, and yet there are some who are having to do it behind closed doors. There are some who, at the very risk of their lives, are singing songs of praise and a risen Savior. And we lift that persecuted church up to you today. We lift the needs of this congregation and these people to you. And we place them at the foot of the cross where there is hope and there is healing and there is life. Thank you, Jesus. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I am of you. I'm in awe. Pastor Judy has a story for our kids. Where are all the children this morning? Come on down to the front. This is your chance to hear a great, great This is, you know that. You know what? Baby Jesus was born. And they say that is the greatest gift, right? Mm -hmm. But you know what Pastor Judy thinks? 
Pastor Judy thinks that this day is the greatest gift because his birthday was just the beginning. But when he died on that cross, it wasn't the end. It was a brand new beginning for us because then we have an opportunity to ask him in our heart and he becomes our savior, doesn't he? And that gives us an eternal life in heaven. That's what it's all about today. You know what, boys and girls, it's kind of fun to have the Easter eggs and the baskets and the candy and those things, but it isn't about the bunny. It's about the lamb. The lamb, the lamb called the son of God. You know, our pastor, he likes to call this day Resurrection Sunday because it's the day that the tomb opened and Jesus rose from the dead. It's an incredible day. Well, I know some things. I have a real funny thing in my basket today. I want to show you this. Look at this old dead thing that I brought to church. Do you see that? I'm going to hold it up and let you see it. But I brought some water. Could put it in there. This little white dish belonged to my mother. I love this little white dish because my mother gave it to me. And she's in heaven with Jesus. I know she's there. So I like to use this for my story on Easter Sunday. So look at my dead thing. See it? See, it's all yucky. See? Ooh, that's yucky. See it? Just look at that. It's really kind of bad, isn't it? It's like I should throw it in the trash. Do you think it's an old rotten apple? Kind of looks like it. Do you know what? This has a very special name. It starts out with that word that pastor likes. It's called a resurrection fern. And you know what? We're going to stick this yucky thing with little pricklies. See the pricklies? We're going to stick it in here in this water. It's going to just let it sit there while I tell you about it. The resurrection fern grows out on the limbs of the big, beautiful live oak trees that we have here in Texas. Now, we drove around our neighborhood looking for some that I could bring. We didn't find them on our trees, but this one came from Thomasville, Georgia, and I was there, and I was doing a wedding out under some beautiful live oak trees on a plantation, and up on the branches were these ferns. And it had just rained in Thomasville about two days before we got there. And I want you to know that all along the limbs of the tree, the resurrection fern had opened up and was a beautiful, beautiful green. Now I can't make it open by magic real fast this morning. But we're going to let it sit in this water all during the rest of the service. I think I'll just give it a little more. And after church, we'll come back and look at it again and see what it's doing.
Then I'll take it home to my house and I'll keep it in the water during the week, okay? okay. And when I come back next week, I'm going to bring it with me. It's going to be the very same one in the very same dish because it's the only one I have. But you know what it's going to do? It's going to burst open. And it's going to be green, I promise. And then when I'm all done playing with it and I don't want to have it green anymore, I just take it and I shake it all off. And I put it on a paper towel at my house. And I let it get all dry and yucky again. Until the next time I want to tell my story. And then I plop it in some water again. And it's going to turn bright green. I promise. Okay? Can you put it? Where am I going to put it? Well, how about if I just sit it right over here while we have the rest of our service. And then after church, you may come up and look at it. And it will probably already start to open. And down inside, you'll be able to see the green. Because even though it looks dead, it's not. It's alive. Just like Jesus was in that tomb for how many days? That's right. One, two, three. And he was alive. He was alive. And he did that, boys and girls, for each and every one of us. Now you listen closely to the rest of the service and you kind of keep an eye up here and see if it starts to open. You just look up here once in a while. When church is over, we'll come and see it, okay? Meet you up here right after church. Don't run out to the Easter egg thing first. Come up here and see my green thing if it's getting green, okay? It kind of looks like it's... Yeah, oh, I think it's going to work. It always has. Every time it's worked. Huh? It's hibernating. That's right. Ooh, you got good words. That's good. It is hibernating like an old bear does in his cave. Yes. Oh, nice. Okay, I think Pastor has some more to tell us. Let's go back to our seats. Thank you. Well, she kind of blew that for me. Let's just sit here and watch this thing, okay? <laughs> I feel like Barney Fife. When somebody was telling him something one time, he says, oh, go on. I'm probably going to be looking over here a couple of times. Thanks a lot, Pastor Judy. <laughs> Man. Wow. You know, I've been preaching... I've been preaching for this season on the risen Christ in me. And this morning, I, I want to speak to this whole thing of what happens when you get too close to Jesus. And I, I just want to take us on a little journey. You see, we, we have to remember that Jesus was not only alive and well today. Jesus is alive and well way back from the very beginning of time before recorded history because God has always been, will always be, and that means that the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit has always been. Yes? You with me? Okay. So at the very beginning of time that we know of, there was something that took place, and it was called creation. 
and Jesus was present. And you know what happened when the elements, whatever was going on out there, got too close to Jesus, who was the word of God, the of God, the aha of God is the spoken voice of God, the very presence of God, the essence of God, the soul of God, the word of God is who? Jesus. And it says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it says that, that he spoke. Jesus was there. And the elements got very close to Jesus. And all of a sudden, the elements, instead of just being in a mangled mess out there, became land and they became sea and they became plants and they became animals and they became this and they became that and, and they became human beings and they became Adam and Eve. You see, when you get too close to Jesus, life happens, and life sprang forth. Then we go on through time, and we find this guy by the name of Noah. God comes down, and he talks to Noah. You know what I think? I can't, this is just my opinion, okay? This is my opinion, okay? I just think that anytime God speaks in an audible voice in the Old Testament, I really think it was Jesus, because we see God speaking in other times and it's like the flash of lightning and the thunder and the smoke and the stuff that's billing out of the mountain and, and, and that was God speaking. But I think when, Jesus, when God speaks with an audible voice, I, just, I like to think it was Jesus. And so, so this voice of God comes down out of heaven and says, Noah, yeah, build an ark. I'm going to destroy the earth. You know what happens getting clo too close to Jesus? You do silly, crazy stuff. You build boats in the middle of nowhere. And everybody looks at you and ridicules you. And you go, what is he building a boat for? And he says, it's going to rain. God told me it's going to rain. And people look at him and say, you have been too close to God. There is no such thing as rain. What are you talking about rain? What is rain? It hadn't rained. You see, the, 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 the earth got its water from, from dew, heavy dews in the morning and heavy dews at night, and, and that was how everything got watered, and there had been no such thing as rain. So when you get too close to Jesus, you do silly, crazy things. Uh, I don't care. Do you? Yeah, I, I got to tell you something. Maybe I shouldn't tell you this. I, I don't want to make this sound like I was bragging, okay, because it doesn't have anything to do with bragging. When you get too close to Jesus, you do silly things like... Brad and I are going down the road the other day. I see this guy. He's, he, he's obviously homeless, and I see this guy. He's kind of doing this, you know, where those, where those ramps are at the intersections, and they, and they put those bumpy things in there. I don't know why they put the bumpy things. I don't like to walk on those either, but there's all these little raised bumps on this ramp. And so he's going like this, and he's backing off, and then he, he goes like this, and he backs off, and he puts his other foot in and backs off. And I'm like, what in the world is this guy doing? All of a sudden, I realized that he has nothing but rags wrapped around his feet. And his feet must be so sore that he can't possibly put his feet on those little bumps to get across the street. I said, Brad, pull over. We got to get him some shoes. Well, we're not anywhere near any shoes. The woman behind us is honking her horn. You know what happens to people who are sanctified when people honk their horn at them, right? But I'm sanctified. Thank you, Jesus. So I was kind. But we're not in here. In, I wasn't going to give him cash because he said, oh, no, sir. He says, I'm going to go to Goodwill. I'm going to get, I just haven't been able to get there. I said, so what size do you wear? No, 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 sir. You don't need to have. I said, what size do you wear? He said, size 11. What size do I wear? Size 11. I took off my shoes 
and I gave him to him, and I made him put him on his feet. He said, man, those shoes are too good. Those are your Sunday best shoes. And I says, yep, they are. See, when you get too close to Jesus, you do silly things. You give your shoes away. What would you do, preacher? I walked back to the car in my stocking feet. I spent the rest of the afternoon in my stocking feet. That's what you do when you get too close to Jesus. You give your clothes away. Well, I'm not going to give my clothes away in the middle of the street, but you give your stuff away. Huh. No, it was building an ark. Then he comes to Abraham. No, he comes to Job. Let me talk about Job. When you get too close to Jesus, when you get too close to God, something happens. Man, I mean, Job, he was rich and he was famous and all that other stuff and all kinds of stuff going on for him. He was a, he was a really good guy. And Satan comes along and he says, you know what, Job, he, God, Job is just too close to you. Let him, let, let me pull him away a little bit. I'll be doggone, that thing is opening up. He said, let me pull him away a little bit and, and, and he won't be so close to you. He says, okay, fine. So, so, so God lets Satan do, do his thing and he takes all of his wealth and he takes his family and here's poor Job sitting with sores on his body, sitting on the rubbish pile out on the other side of town, scraping his sores with busted clay pottery and that's the picture we have of Job. And guess what? Satan's standing there and he's going, I'll be doggone, I took everything away from him. He doesn't have any family, he doesn't have any money. He is still close to Jesus. You see, when we get too close to God, when we get too close to Jesus, it doesn't matter what we have, we're still in love. <laughs> when it comes to Abraham, Abraham got really close to God. And you remember the covenant when they were out there and, and the covenant breaking ceremony took place and they took the bullet and, and sliced it open and then and it says there was a deep sleep that came over, over Abram and he didn't even remember it happening and, and there, was a, there was a lighted pot and there was a smoke that passed through the middle and God cut a covenant. You know, I, I believe with all my heart that was a representation of the Holy Spirit of God and it was Jesus for he's the light of the world. They both walked together through there and they made a covenant with Abraham. You see what happens when you get too close to God is God makes a covenant with you and he says this, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Uh -huh. Well then, and then God gives him his son and his son is Isaac and, and he says, you've waited a long time for this guy but here's what I want you to do, Abraham. Oh, he changed his name too. It used to be Abram and now it's Abraham. <laughs> Abraham. He put the breath of God. He put Jesus. You see, I, I don't know that he even knew that but I believe the breath of God, I told you, the spoken word of God, the breath of God is Jesus. I think Abraham had a Jesus experience. He just didn't know who he was. And so Jesus showed up in the middle of Abraham's life. But anyway, God comes and says, I'm going to take your only son. You mean the one you just gave me? Yeah, that one. Take him up the mountain. I'm going to have you sacrifice him. Okay, God. You see, when you get close to God, you're willing to let go of the things that really matter to you in this world. That got quiet because sometimes the things that really matter to you are your children. And what God said to Abraham, give me your child. Parents, grandparents that are here today, when you get close enough to God, you open your hand and you say, God, you have my children. They belong to you. And then there was Joseph. Joseph was close to God. He lived through his brother's mistreatment. He was close to God while he was in prison. 
You remember the, the baker that he was in prison with said, hey, I'll, 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 tell the, I'll tell the guy for you. I'll tell him you're in here and I'll tell him that you do the dream thing and all that kind of stuff. I won't forget you. Baker gets out of prison, forgets about Joseph. Did he, live, did he give up on God? No, he, he was as close to God as he ever was. And what happens when you get too close to God, like Joseph, you become a ruler. And suddenly, the one that the brothers had tried to kill became the one that the brothers had to bow down to. See, when you get too close to God, God transforms you from one thing into another, from, from lowly estate to high estate. Now, he doesn't do that with everybody, but he did it for Joseph. Then there was Moses. Moses, you know, he, he's out in the field mining on his own business, and suddenly this, this, this bush is burning, and it, but it's not burning up. And, and there's this voice again, and I believe, I'm telling you, just my opinion, I'm standing over here, but I just believe it was the voice of Jesus that spoke out of that bush and said, Moses, take off your shoes for you're standing on holy ground. And Moses got called. You see, when you get too close to God, when you get too close to Jesus, you get called. You get called to do incredible things. You get called, you get called to, to, to lead people out of sin. You get called to lead people into the law of the Old Testament. You get called to lead people into the promised land. Then there was Samuel. Do you remember Samuel? I know, I'm almost positive that was the voice of Jesus. I can almost hear it now. Little Samuel, he gets dedicated to the Lord. His mom brings him and leaves him there at, 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 at the temple. And in the middle of the night, he hears his voice, Samuel! Call me? I can call you. Go back to bed. You know what I like? When you get too close to God, when you get too close to Jesus, he knows your name in the middle of the night. And he calls you by your name. And then it was David and the prophets. You remember Isaiah? Remember when Isaiah was, was, was he said, I, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and, and these burning coals came out of heaven and they touched his lips and he says, oh, I'm a man of unclean lips and I'm, I'm, sin is full of my, in, in, in my heart and, and oh God, purify me. And, and the, voice, the voice, again, I believe it was the voice of Jesus, the voice of God, the voice of Jesus calls out and says, who will I send? And Isaiah says, oh, I'll go. You see, when you get too close to God, when you get too close to Jesus, you might just say yes to his calling. Oh, I don't want to say yes. Well, then don't get too close. Stay out here where you can't hear his voice. Stay out here where you can't sense his presence. Don't get too close to the altar. Don't get too close to God. The problem is, you know what, folks? God's calling you anyway. You just can't hear him because you're not close enough. He used Isaiah to give us one of the best messages in the whole wide world. For he said in Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. i got to tell you today, in light of all the politics that are going on, the government doesn't rest upon Bernie Sanders. It doesn't rest upon Hillary Clinton. It doesn't rest upon Cruz. It doesn't rest upon Trump. It doesn't rest upon Kasich. It rests upon God. God is in charge of government. He will see to it that is the person is put into place that needs to put, be put into place. But I want to tell you something. I think America's in trouble. Mm. 
no matter who we get. Man, I didn't mean to go into politics, so I'll get away from that real quick. He gave us a second message in Isaiah 53, 5, but he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Who was Isaiah speaking of? Jesus. You see, when you get too close to God, you begin to talk about him. You begin to prophesy him. And the cool thing about it was Isaiah didn't have a clue who he was talking about. He didn't know who he's talking about. Hundreds of years later, this guy would show up by the name of Jesus in a stable, in a manger. Hmm. We fast forward into the New Testament. We find this little gal by the name of Mary. Well, I'm going to tell you, 15, 14, 15, 16 years old. Can you imagine? I just can't put yourself, I can't even put myself in the place of a 14, 15-year-old girl who gets a visitation from God. Are you kidding me? A visitation from God? I'm out of here. An angel comes and says, Mary, don't be afraid. Are you joking? You just showed up in my room. I'm going to be scared, okay? No, no, don't be afraid. When you get too close to God, God uses you in incredible ways that you can't even begin to imagine. And through the life of a 15, 16-year-old girl, God sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, into this world for you and for me. Joseph, when you get too close to God, you have dreams. I like that. I want dreams. I like dreams. Good dreams, that is. But when you get too close to God, like Joseph was close to God, he was a godly man. When you get too close to God, all of a sudden you have these dreams and, 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 the, and the ordinary and the right thing to do that Joseph was supposed to do to, to divorce his wife and just put her away and, and make things go, uh, just, just make the whole thing go away. No, when you get too close to God, God says, you know what? I don't care what the world says. Here's what I want you to do. And Joseph said, okay, God, I'll do what you want me to do. And so when you get too close to God, you do the extraordinary thing that you wouldn't normally think about doing. You go against the crowd. You go against the grain. You go against the principles. You go against the, the things that the world thinks you ought to do. As a Christian, you take a stand for the morality of God's word. And you say, I don't care what the world has to say. I will love the world, but I will live for God. Then there were the shepherds. I love the whole thing about the shepherds. I wish I could have been a shepherd that night. I would have been out there, man, I would have been out there tending my flock and, and watching these resurrection firms come to life. That's the most incredible thing I've ever seen. I thought she was telling me a story, man. That thing is coming to life right before our eyes. There was the shepherds out there in the field and they were watching their flocks and all of a sudden, not just an angel, but a whole host of angels. Here, I want me to hold it up. You might as well, you're all looking at it. See what you did to me, Pastor Judy? It's, whoops. It's coming to life. Here, I'll set it up here so you can watch it better instead of me. 
The shepherds are out there watching their, fle- watching their flocks and tending their, uh, tending their sheep and, 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 and all of a sudden these angels show up and say, hey, we got great news. <laughs> You're scaring me to death. I got great news. Fine, what are we supposed to hear? We'll go over to this little town called Bethlehem. There's this baby that's been born. So there's been a baby born. You know what? My wife had a baby last week. Oh, no, no, no. This is a special baby. Okay. And they get up. Now, did you ever think about that? They get up and leave. They don't say anything about they left one guy behind. See, I think about these things. Linda, this is, this is a strange thought, but think about it. Who's watching the sheep? They all left. Go see a baby. You know what happened? I think the peace of God settled upon those sheep. They just laid down and they sat there until the shepherds came back. That's what I think. We don't have anything in the Bible that tells us that, but I think that was. You know why? Because I wouldn't have wanted to been the one left behind. Hey, you're going to hear the good news that these angels are telling about, and you're telling me I got to stay back and watch the sheep? Nuh-uh. I'm going too, man. And when you get too close to God, strange things happen in the middle of the night. These babies are born that angels come and tell you about. Well, what about the Pharisees? Let's move on to the Pharisees. Oh, boy, the disciples and the Pharisees. Pharisees didn't like Jesus at all. They, they just didn't like Jesus at all. See, when, here's the interesting thing about the Pharisees. When you get too close to God, but you don't like what God is doing, then you become a 21st century church complainer. These chairs aren't soft enough, preacher. <laughs> I really don't like the color of the carpet. That's not how we used to do it. <laughs> God's not dead. He's surely alive. Well, you know, we should have been jumping. Anyway, if we'd done that 25 years ago, I personally, as a worship leader, would have been thrown out of the church. I'm so glad we're past that. I had fun singing that song. But you know, the Pharisees didn't like it. They didn't like it at all. They got too close to God and they didn't like what they see and so they, they just go over here and they start belly aching and complaining. Did you see that little thing on Facebook, the two little boys sitting there eating lunch together? They're talking about Sunday school. And a little kid says, you know, there's a light bulb that needs to be changed down in our Sunday school class. And the other little kid looks at him and says, don't touch that light bulb. My granddaddy put that light bulb in. That's how we are. See, that's when, when we're not close enough to God like the Pharisees, when they realized what God was all about and their positions were going to be jeopardized and they weren't going to have the authority over the people that they thought they were once going to have, they, they checked out, man, and they became church complainers. What about the disciples? The disciples are really, I mean, this is an exciting group of people. The disciples, he got too close to Jesus and they dropped their nets and they dropped their, I mean, Matthew was a very rich tax collector. He collected money. You know, the, you know how tax collectors made their money back then, don't you? They not only got to collect the tax, but whatever else they needed to live that week, they collected that too. So if you owed them 20 bucks and they needed 25, they just said, hey, your tax is 25 bucks this week. That's how they made their money. That's why they were such cheats. That's why nobody liked them. That's why they were the, they were the scum of the earth, man. Nobody liked those guys. Doesn't sound a whole lot different, does it? <laughs> oh, sorry. Hi. Right, anyway, 
The disciples got really close to him. They dropped their nets. They dropped tax collecting. They dropped some other things, and they went and followed Jesus. You see, when you get too close to God, you just let go of everything because God, Jesus, becomes the most important thing in your life. Nothing else matters. When you get close to Jesus... You hear his prayer in the garden. And Jesus went into that garden with the same kind of feelings that you and I do. I don't want to die. He said it, I don't want to die. Are you kidding me? Think about it. Unlike us, he had the power to visualize what was about to happen to him. in that moment in that garden he got so close to God that he said this but in spite of what's going to happen to me in spite of the horrible torture not my will but yours be done you see when you get too close to God all of a sudden what you want doesn't matter anymore what matters is God in you picture if you would the cross picture if you would the body of Christ hanging You know, we always see pictures of a loincloth on him. That wasn't the way they crucified people. They stripped them naked. Imagine. Naked. Bleeding. Dying. And one soldier got a little too close to Jesus. And he looked up at him in the midst of all the darkness and the agony and the crying and the earthquake and the wind blowing and the darkness of the sun and whatever else was going on. And he said out of his heart, truly, this was the Son of God. When you get too close to Jesus, you finally recognize him for who he really is, the Savior, your healer, your all in all, the one who saves you from your sins. You see, when you get too close to Jesus, you change. Not just for a moment, but forever. Because the presence of Jesus is so real and so powerful that you can't help but look at him 
and say with the soldier, truly, he is the Son of God. And my question to you this morning is, how close are you to Jesus? Are you close enough? Did you say, yeah, that's Jesus. That's who that is. I, be I believe in Jesus. Satan believes in Jesus. Yeah, that's, that's God. I, I, I believe in God. The demons believe in God. You're not close enough. You're not close enough until you recognize not only who Jesus, that Jesus is the Son of God, but that you recognize Jesus as your Savior. You're not close enough to God until Jesus makes a difference in your life. You're not close enough to Jesus until Jesus transforms you from the inside out and the things that you used to do, you no longer do because you are in love with this Jesus, the risen Christ, the Son of the living God. You're not close enough to Jesus until you are, are, are literally changed. I have seen people who have been far away from Jesus who admitted that Jesus was the Son of God, but they finally get close enough to Jesus to recognize who he is, and suddenly their life changes literally. Their countenance changed. I close with this. Moses got close enough to God that his countenance was transformed into this brightness that nobody could look at. He came down out of the mountain experience with God after he received the tablets of stone, the law, and the people couldn't look at him. And I want to propose to you this morning that if you get close enough to Jesus, your countenance will be transformed in a way that when people look at you, they will say, there's something different about you. I recognize there's something different about you. Oh, I know. You're a Christian. And then you have an opportunity to either be who God wants you to be or to be who Peter was and say, yes, I am. Or no, I don't know what you're talking about. So on this Resurrection Sunday, March the 27th, 2016, a day that I didn't even believe that I would see, the question is, how close are you to Jesus? If your life isn't transformed, you're not close enough. If your will isn't his will, you're not close enough. If the things that you have in this life are still your things, you're not close enough. If your children are not God's children, you're not close enough. There's a song that we used to sing years and years and years and years and years ago. I haven't heard it for a while. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I surrender freely give.
And we're going to sing that this morning. We're not going to sing that this morning, but we're going to sing another song. But I want you to think of those words. And I propose to you this morning, if you're not close enough to Jesus to be transformed, you're not close enough to Jesus. Now, here's what I know. Some of you will walk out this morning and say, you know what, I don't want to get that close. You want to be fair like... You want to be like the Pharisees and you just want to say, no, I'm, I'm not getting that close. Like who I am, like what I got. I just want to remind you, there's a judgment day coming. And the ones who will make it even closer to Jesus on that judgment day are the ones who say on days like today, no, I'm going to get closer to God. And you don't hear this too much in churches anymore nowadays, but I'm just going to say it. If you want to stand over here, and you don't want to be very close to God, and you don't want Him to change you, and you don't want Him to transform you, and you don't want to give Him your life, there's another place, and it's called hell. Jesus said, there's only one way to the Father, and it's through Him, the cross. If you don't go through the cross, if you don't get close enough to Jesus to see the cross and experience the cross, i got to tell you, there's another place. He's here. So there's my hellfire and brimstone message for 2016. Father God, I want to be like your son. I want to get really close to you. Jesus, I want to be like that woman who got close enough to touch just the hem of your garment. She was healed. I want to be like that soldier who was standing at the foot of the cross, taking all of it in, and suddenly he just turns around, and, and I, I envision in my mind he looks up at you, and he says, truly, this is the Son of God. I would be greatly remiss if on this Resurrection Sunday. I did not offer someone an opportunity to say, I'm not nearly as close as I should be, and I need to move closer. Would you let me pray for you today? Here's what I want to do. Everyone, with your head bowed, your eyes closed, this is not a time for anybody to be looking around. Just give me a little hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All over the room this morning, thank you. You may put your hands down, thank you. God bless you. Father, I lift these up to you right now. They're making a cognizant choice. They say, I need to move closer to you. Jesus, I pray that in that choice this morning, 
you would begin to transform them and confirm to them that they're pretty close. Father, as you move in closer to them, I pray that, that they would release their things and their family and their life and their dreams and they would turn them over to you so that you can take them and refine them and place them back into their lives. We thank you for the cross this morning and what it represents. Bless these, I pray. In the name of Jesus, would you stand with me? to Jesus. Let's sing it together. Here my hope is found.
today is a resurrection of life in several of you this morning if you sincerely meant what you said and sang this with us in closing today. And I pray God's blessing upon you as you leave this place today. May his spirit go with you. May his strength be with you. May his peace overwhelm you. We serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. And we give you praise. He is risen. He is risen God bless you. Make sure you visit with somebody before you get out of here. Make it a wonderful, terrific, awesome rest of the day. God bless you.